What's going on? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath, lead marketing at The Jews. Fired up for today's conversation. We are talking about all things demand generation, how to build and scale demand gen teams. I have an expert on the program to help me do that. I am joined by my man, Sandeep John, who's the head of demand generation at Outplay. He has an unbelievable mind about the process he thinks about building demand gen and the functions around it. Spoiler alert, content is a big piece of that. Excited for you to hear this one. Make sure you tune in and pay attention to what's happening at The Juice. June 15th, we're launching Revenue Impact. Huge update from us to you. Bring more visibility and help marketers show the ROI of their content marketing programs. I'm excited to be here. More excited to share this conversation with you. Let's kick it to it. All right, everybody. We have not talked demand gen in a while, and I thought this topic was timely to discuss how to build and scale a modern demand gen program. And during the pre-call and talking with today's guest, I was excited to learn just all of the different disciplines that he is thinking about in order to generate demand for his brand. And I think this is just going to be a, a very fun conversation. So today I'm joined by Sandeep John, who is the Director of Demand Generation at Outplay. He was also named on Demand demand Base's Top 20 Revenue Marketers list. So coming at you, someone with a ton of experience and knowledge, but without further ado, Sandeep, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Brett. Thanks a lot. Thanks for inviting me over to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, giving everyone a little peek behind the curtains, we were talking music beforehand. So Sandeep has already won my heart because we share in some similar interests when it comes to uh, musicians we like, but uh, we won't turn this into a music podcast. Maybe the second episode will, but um, Sandeep, maybe before we jump in, I'd love to learn a little bit about Outplay. So maybe share uh, kind of what you were doing before Outplay and then kind of like what led you to the opportunity. So if you want to start with like, for people who don't know Outplay, who you are, what you do, and then just how you ended up there. All right. Awesome. So Outplay, essentially, we're a sales engagement platform. And our goal is to essentially try to make selling a lot more easier. We've expanded our portfolio from not just being a pure play sales engagement platform, but we're also a platform where you can source leads, you can engage with leads, you can ensure your meetings are booked much more faster and also use the power of AI to help drive better conversations. So uh, if you think about the, the entire cycle of what we do, making selling easier, of course, but help you build pipeline and help you build pipeline consistently. So a platform that can do a bunch of things for you. So if I have to keep it really simple, if you think about what if you imagined if you had, let's say, an outreach, a Zoom info, and you had a gong as well as a chili piper all rolled up into one platform, that's who outplays. As simple as that. Of course, not at the price levels that they're optioning, uh, giving you that, but something that all of you SMB early mid-market companies can actually afford. I, I love it. And maybe I, we're going to have, we're hosting an event on this uh, coming up here. And I'm just curious, it's the talk of the town and you mentioned the the buzzword of all buzzwords and that is AI. How long has Outplay been thinking about adding AI to kind of your suite of products or is this something new? Is this something you've been planning in a while? Like where, where are you all at on the, on the AI of it all? 
I think in the sales tech world, I think most software or sales tech companies have already been ahead on the AI play, right? It's similar for us as well. When we were building out our products as well, we always kept AI in mind, knowing what's going to happen, what's going to come and whatnot, right? I think what we're doing now is, is further augmenting some of our features to cater towards that whole AI play. But I think AI has always been in our roadmap, just like most other companies today, and especially in the sales tech world, because today you have to leverage the power of what AI can do for you to really optimize, to really personalize, to really get down to the nitty gritties of what you can do at scale. And that's where AI will really, really help. I have, like the earlier story you were mentioning as well, I've seen the exposure of AI from my previous organization as well. So I used to work in a company called Freshworks, went IPO a while back, I worked there for a long time. They were already miles ahead in the AI journey. So they had a bot called Freddy, which they built for their customer experience, um, customer support software. So we've already been exposed to what the power of what AI can do with that, with chat and with everything else as well. So I think from our company's perspective, it is always on the roadmap. Now we're just sort of taking that to the next level of how we augment this even better. That's exciting stuff. Well, hopefully anyone listening has a little bit of an understanding of kind of what Outplay does and where uh, Sandeep is coming from. And let's maybe start from the top because I have, I started my career as a demand gen marketer. I know demand generation has evolved over the course of the time. I won't say how long ago that was because I'll be dating myself a little bit. But I think a lot of people have a lot of different interpretations of what demand gen means to them. So maybe I feel like how we can set the stage for this chat is just maybe understanding how you define demand generation in B2B marketing organizations. Yeah. Uh, The one line if I have to really demand what uh, what demand generation is, come down to the goal, right? So the goal essentially for demand generation is to create a predictable pipeline that will grow your business, as simple as that. Typically, it will cover the entire life cycle of a customer, right? From acquisition to the customer, once they get on board, onboarding them and expansion as well. So that through that entire cycle is what demand will do. Demand will do. Um, what, if you think about it in another, if I have to further simplify this, essentially is what you're trying to do is, is to create this entire set of brand awareness, educate your customer, whether it's through content, especially in fact, a lot through content and driving that behavior so that they eventually come down to you and sign up to your product, get used to your product and whatnot. But that's the the smaller form, but one line statement, whatever you do, you need to make sure you're driving pipeline for for the business, for the organization. That's what you, the core of what demand gen actually does. But from the from the point of view of right from customer acquisition all the way up to the end, because if you think about it, I, I remember I'd, I'd see I'll try and probably share later on, on on LinkedIn or whatever in terms of what I saw is probably the best visual description of what demand generation actually does right from customer acquisition. So from the marketing side, going to the sales side, working with customer success as well and creating that entire feedback loop. Right. So, for example, if even if you're losing customers, customers are churning, you need to know why. And that kind of goes in as input into the further programs that you will run. If sales is not able to close deals, certain kinds of deals, demand should get in and help with deal acceleration. So you're really involved in that entire sort of cycle of everything that's happening. And that's how I view demand. I don't, a lot of demand gen marketers today uh, look at it predominantly at the top of the funnel. I would say it's right through the organization because that's some that's something that you need to do because it doesn't matter where you're getting your pipeline from as long as it's coming from that entire funnel. And I think what's fascinating about you and your role leading demand gen at Outplay is that you are responsible for a lot of different functions and those functions aren't just top of the funnel. It's all the way through. And I want to get into that in a second uh, about just like organization and functions, but maybe before we do talk about just like 
success. And you talked, you touched on a little bit of things like sharing feedback kind of all the way through the funnel. But I don't know, for me, when I think about success of demand gen, I think about like the consumer perspective and successful demand gen to me has always been like the consumer doesn't feel like they're going through a demand gen campaign or being pushed through a process. It just comes natural. And that comes with events that comes with content and a bunch of other different things. So I'm just curious uh, on your side, like what does successful demand generation mean to you and how, how do you, how do you kind of think about it? I think I think you hit on the right point that right? essentially you need to be able to educate your ideal customer profile, your ICP as much as possible so that they want to buy your product. I, demand gen is not about in, in very crude terms, forcing your product down to them. You don't want to be doing that. Uh, essentially, you want to be providing the right educational content. Depends on what kind of content as well, whether it's top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, but essentially educating them on that process so that they are able to make that informed decision of, hey, yeah, I believe, let's say, Outplay is the product for me. I can do a bunch of things without having to spend so much of money and still execute and drive efficiency within my org. I want to choose this, right? So essentially, to me, if that is happening and if organically people are coming to you and, and signing up to your product and driving whatever you're doing, I feel a lot of that is success. See, today, from a tactical standpoint, there are so many tactics one can use in demand gen, right? You can, a very easy tactic would be, hey, if you understand who your competitors are, run competitor ads on Google, spend a bunch of money there. Easy, get it, get it in, leads are coming in, you sign up, that's perfectly fine. You can use content essentially to drive, you can use brand awareness campaigns to drive, uh, that kind of a motion. So there's several motions that, that one can use, but essentially I feel like you need to lean on that whole content motion of how can I educate my buyer enough uh, so that he knows that I am the right product for him or her. So essentially that. I love it. One thing that excites me a lot is during our first chat, like you mentioned content a lot, and I just, it, it, it warms my heart to know that a demand gen marketer is prioritizing content so much because it's that education component. I think one thing, one thing that I learned that's interesting about you is just your background in sales. And I've always found like, as a marketer, the more time you can spend in sales or working closely with sales, the better you always get at your role or understanding how to get attention, build interest, and then get individuals to buy into whatever it is you're positioning. I'm curious, just background in sales, how has that given you kind of an honest perspective for what's required for successful demand gen programs? I think the, and you rightly hit it at the end, right? To me, the, the the final, the ultimate version of a demand gen program being su successful is when you have sales and marketing alignment. If that is not done, unfortunately today, Brett, a lot of companies, they most companies work, I mean, not most companies, a lot of companies work today in silos. Your sales team, so you, I've, I have seen these scenarios before, right, where marketing will be celebrating that they had a superb quarter, but sales will not be celebrating because they could have hit their numbers. How is that even possible? You're working in the same company, right? It's because the yards, the the what can the KPIs, the North Star metrics are very, very different for both, and they don't necessarily tie into that larger revenue goal or the larger pipeline goal, right? For me personally, where it made a big difference or where it has continued to continues to make a big difference is. I try and sometimes, I mean, you you are more empathetic with the sales folks because I have been a salesperson once before. And so that I know, hey, okay, if I'm not able to close these, let's say, webinar leads or these kind of leads, do I have I provided my sales team with enough ammunition so that they can close? Have I given them the right enablement material? Have I given them the right messaging as opposed to, hey, here are a bunch of leads. Come on, guys, just go for it. Close everything. 
uh, why are you not closing? I call them by the collar and ask them. No, that's not that's that's, that's more ridiculous than ever. But rather it's going down and figuring out, okay, why are they why are they struggling? What's it? What is it that's not helping them? Or am I going down and saying why are we losing deals? So for example, why are customers churning? Why are we losing deals? Why are those conversations not even happening? And I feel because I've had that sales set, I've been more empathetic towards the my sales counterparts as well to try to understand, hey, if I'm in their shoes, what do I need from marketing to make my me successful? So as much as possible, we'll try and provide that. And I think that's greatly helped, right? And I think that's something I always uh, try and sort of inculcate in the team as well. I'm like, hey, there's no point just pushing individuals. More often than not, it's never people who fail. It's the process that's wrong. Get down and figure out where in the process we can actually help this team. Because all of us, end of the day, are working for the same cause. We are not two different entities per se. So that's always helped. I want to get down in the weeds on something you said a little bit, because I think anyone who is listening's ears perked up on this, and we've all been through this, right? We, we as marketers host these events, webinars, and we spend all this time, energy, and resources getting the speakers, facilitating the conversation, doing the follow-up of the recording, promoting it, all of that. And then what happens most time is we then throw these leads over the fence and say, here you go, sales, go figure it out. And then sales says, these leads aren't any good. Well, the problem in most of those instances is that there it's a communication issue, right? Not the context hasn't been shared on both sides. I would love, since you've worn the demand gen hat currently, and you've worn the sales hat during that pass off process, like what are the essential things that you think need to happen that aren't typically happening, which causes a disconnect between marketing and sales? I think, first of all, set expectations on what comes off a webinar, right? So for example, we'll have to also understand what kind of, so typically sales will always, and this is very typical sales behavior, right? If they don't get an ICP, let's say an ideal customer profile landing in for your webinar, they'll just say, hey, I'm going to reject it. It's it's not worth my time pursuing something like that. So I think uh, the key is to sort of set the context of, hey, what kind of leads are we going to get from this kind of a webinar? Is it going to be just the so-called, let's say, users of the product versus the actual ICPs themselves? If it's the users of the product, what kind of messaging should you guys try to do? Because there's no mm-hmm. point selling the product to somebody who's a user. I mean, he or she is not going to be able to do too much unless they have some level of influence to bring in their manager or the actual decision maker to that conversation. So then the goal there is hey, get those people into conversations, try to get them to get somebody or the worst or the best thing, other thing you can do is find out what's their tech stack looking like, like what is the, what are they using, what kind of challenges. So I think setting those expectations itself in the first instance will really help sales because they're like, oh, okay, so my goal here is to try and do this. My goal here is to try and do this activity, right? I feel setting those things, a lot of us fail that, a lot of us, we've also failed before, right? So where we get on, not sure, that's number one. Two is even getting down to like, okay, so given all of this, what does sales need to be? Can I, like I said, you know, the ammunition that I would need to provide for them? Can I, am I giving them the right kind of sales cadence steps? Is the messaging right in terms of how we are positioned? Now, their typical, let's say, outbound messaging may not always work for this. Now, uh, and also the context here is if somebody is attending a webinar, to me, there is very low intent to buy, almost zero intent to buy. They're coming there because they want to learn something. They're not, they don't really care at that point who outplays or what outplay does and all of that stuff. They may not even know. They might suddenly just search for it and figure out, oh, Outplay is organizing this. Who is this Outplay? I might just go to the website. But really, if somebody is coming in for education, then you want to take them down that educational path as well. Like maybe provide something. One option could be provide an asset that's complementary to what was just spoken so that 
something that you have created, let's say the company has created, and then slowly bring in the narrative of, hey, by the way, we can help you solve a bunch of these things mm. in a sequence of steps at some point, right? So getting down to understanding what sales needs, but most importantly, setting expectations on what really is required of this webinar at that initial stage. And also knowing that, see, um, marketing should also very, very understand, right? A sign-up is very different from a webinar lead. Right, so the time for time—I would call it time to value, time to actually see the fruits of, let's say, the effort that's gone in—will take time. It's not going to, even if your sales cycles are, let's say, 35, 40 days or whatever, in a normal convention, it might take longer to even get that person or those set of people interested in going down that path of buying. So, as a marketer, you also need to realize that, and hey, okay, I need to give them a little more time than I would normally give them for, let's say, an inbound sign-up lead, and I'm, am I? providing them with enough materials and constantly catching up with them, set up separate cadences, understanding, hey, what's working for you folks? What's not working? What else do you need to be successful? One, and I think at the overarching of all of this now, whilst all of this is marketing is provided, marketing also needs to make sure that we are nurturing those leads as well over time. Mm -hmm. So if they don't go down the sales path, sure, let's push them into marketing. Let's keep them informed, educated. Who knows, at some point, you'll see these folks coming back and looking at your product as a product to buy. Wow. So much, uh, everybody go back and make sure you rewind the tape and listen to that. Sandeep just gave a ton of good feedback. And I want to learn a little bit about successful demand gen. And I would imagine just based on this, you know, first few minutes of this conversation, the sales and marketing alignment, I'm sure is a piece of this and good communication between the two, but maybe uh, share with us, what steps do you take in order to help scale the demand gen program? It can be at Outplay or anywhere else you've worked. Yeah, I think the key is, I think I, I'll, I'll always start with the ICP, right? I'll always start with whom you are targeting. Do you understand? And you'll need some somebody from product marketing essentially to help. This is where demand gen will be collaborating with absolutely everybody in the firm. Understand who your ideal customer profile is. Break that down into, hey, what are my potential channels? I believe this ideal customer profile might be engaging in. Then break them down into segments and then cater your, after that, essentially cater your messaging to those segments and then decide what is the play there. Like you'll have to figure out again, another another hat you want to wear while doing all of this is what kind of deal sizes are you typically going after? Mm. Now, am I doing, am I going for a broad based approach or am I going for a very ABM approach? Uh, again, ABM really to me, the effort and all of that, because so much effort goes on in ABM, it really works only for mid-level or larger deals typically uh, for the amount of effort you're going to put in. If it's a smaller, if you're typically working on a volume based, smaller deal size, then that can mean that activity is not really going to work for you. You might want to focus on something at scale, right? So breaking it down into those nitty gritties and having a concrete plan. And here's the thing that always, I feel like the plan will never be, I mean, you'll have to go launch and essentially do that. I always believe, especially in any demand gen program, have some kind of an MVP uh, version of that program as well. Like have like some small cadence that says, okay, after I launch the program, uh, if I hit these metrics, Within this particular time frame, I believe there's a worth. It's worth going down further and figuring out if this is working or not. Otherwise, what will happen is typically you'll wait for like a month and then it's, oh my god, this program didn't actually work. You don't need to wait that long. You can have some indicators that like, hey, okay, my open rates are good, my click rates are good, something is happening. The people are engaging with my content. Let's like now let's fine tune or sharpen this up a little bit better, and essentially build. I mean, you can use any whether it's Notion or Google Docs or whatever build a playbook of what you're trying to do and what those experiment, what that experiment looks like. And of course, the iterative versions of the same. I feel if you have all of that, like a clear crystal plan in place, it will, it should work. Right. And, and the, the rule of, and generally I always tell my team as well, right. 
not every demand gen program is going to actually work. I mean, there are some traditional ones that will possibly work. You know, there's, there's some very straightforward ones, but you'll always, as demand gen, you'll always be experimenting, always be trying to do something that's slightly off because everyone's doing the same thing. So how are you going to try and make yourself, how, how are you going to showcase your value better than everybody else and work on those iterations, document the same and be super clear about what your channels are, who your ICP is and what messaging is going out to them and keep, keep iterating if things work out. MVP is the most important part. Have some form of MVP, otherwise you're just going down a very dark hole and never really know what success means to you. So I want to talk about the functions. And I think when we last spoke, you mentioned on your team, you've got digital, you've got content, you got field, product, ops, uh, sales development. There's a lot of functions in there involved in, in demand gen, successful demand gen and then likely scaling successful demand gen. Maybe talk us through the orchestration on your side, because you said like, you're going to be running programs, not all programs are going to work. Maybe like, how did these functions get kind of wrapped up in the demand gen umbrella? And maybe talk a little bit about like, is it proving out one function and moving to the next? Talk a little bit of it just about just how they all work together and how you think about it as the leader. Yeah. I think it, it it really comes down to the kind of business one operates in as well, right? Like a lot of businesses today will lean into a very inbound strategy where you want, like I mentioned, the core of demand gen essentially is to try and help create demand so that people come in, sign up to your product. So essentially, if I'm building a demand gen now, the first thing I would look at is how can I build? So to me, in, in the current organization, I've split the main, the major role between inbound, what I would like to call inbound marketing and outbound marketing. Inbound marketing is essentially your digital program. So whether it's paid, whether it's social content, I'll explain content a little bit later. So these two essentially will, will sit at the core of that. And then I have my outbound. So that's my, so any company starting out will want to do invest time, effort, energy, especially in the paid and SEO side. Uh, and one of the things I think, of course, most companies I'm sure are doing it today. The easiest way to show victory is to switch on paid. You can put on paid, put money, but there comes with a uh, sort of specific cost. I think where a lot of companies sometimes miss out as well is where they're not always focused on SEO right from the get-go. And that's something one needs to really get down to it, whether it's content, whether it's improving all the, uh, the in inside infrastructure of your website to ensure that you're ranking much better. You want to make sure you're doing that right from day one. And that's like now because you know it will take some time before you truly see results. So SEO paid, get that engine going, get the inbound engine going. Outbound, essentially, I would see outbound marketing is where you do your events, your webinars, any push campaign, anything you're telling the audience to like, hey, here's who I am, here's what it is. You're going to use that kind of push lever. I, I have content that sits right down the middle there, where content is essentially working, supporting inbound, supporting outbound in all the different initiatives. I have product marketing that's kind of lying somewhere in the center of all of this, because product marketing essentially will tell, hey, here is the larger messaging of the organization. Here is who our ICP is. Here is who our enablement is. So there's somewhere there in the center and sort of managing all of this to make sure that we're all doing our job right. We've got marketing operations sitting right below there. So marketing operations has will have insight on absolutely everything that's going on, whether it's a campaign, inbound, outbound, uh, we'll know everything there, right? So that's, to me, that's like the heart of everything that I do. It's the first thing that I get, get up and check, hey, what are my numbers looking at? What all my numbers, right? Whether it's signups, whether it's traffic, whether it's ranking, how are those? And marketing operations will, will sort of provide that information or create those things. 
and sometimes uh, you can also some companies we have in fact we also have growth marketing as an option as well there growth marketing somewhere sits between product marketing and the larger growth organizations who run specific growth campaigns per se but this is how i've kind of augmented the whole thing to make it look like the way it is so i want to go back to the content of it all you mentioned content kind of sits in the middle which i think is super cool maybe talk a little bit about the the con like who's creating content at outplay like what is the role how many individuals are there and like what are their responsibilities and how do they kind of map up to hit it, making sure that when you're checking your dashboard uh in every morning that you can see impact from content so i have a content leader today so this person sort of manages three other people within the content function one of the content people who are part of that function essentially looks at content for campaigns. Uh, so that's campaigns, is events, webinars, that kind of stuff. But that person also manages our social. So we're very, very active on social, if you've seen over the last six to eight months, generally, because we've also realized that we get good amount of traffic coming in from LinkedIn today. So we're constantly engaging with that's something inside that we gathered over time to figure that out. So that's an active part of what that person also does. And then I have two other people who work predominantly on the inbound side of content. So this inbound side would be Predominantly, let's say SEO content that we're constantly building, optimizing pages to rank better. Uh, and one is, of course, uh, get that two is, of course, paid ads. So essentially optimizing, making sure we have the right kind of content for paid ads. I have one more person. So one, two, three, four. The fifth person essentially of content is focused on producing long form, big articles, reports, that kind of stuff that will make us stand out in a larger crowd. So, so between that person and the leader, they're constantly churning out newer content, newer blogs newer that kind of stuff going on as well so that's how i've predominantly set it up i uh, love the emphasis and how you are thinking about breaking down each of those individual and their roles and what they're responsible for it shows that yes as we might be demand gen marketers but we can have intention with the content that we are building and creating i think one of the roadblocks i've always uh come up in my career is just between demand gen and a content or a brand role it's just like maybe a lack of understanding of like what each of the role does and how they it all works together and so as like a marketing leader i've always felt like it's your responsibility to you know provide education and make sure you understand what each individual and team's priorities are and how they map together. I'd love to learn from you a little bit about just like demand gen marketers and working cross-functionally. Like, I think you need to have good communication. You need to be efficient with what you're doing, but maybe talk a little bit about some of those winning traits that you have found from like really good demand gen marketers. Like what are they doing? How are they working cross-functionally? What are some things that you might be able to share that might be able to help others listening? Yeah. I think the first thing is like you're absolutely hit spot on, right? They need to be able to collaborate with, across multiple teams because, and that goes for any marketing, anybody in marketing, not just demand. And I feel because you're not just, you're not always dependent on yourself. You're going to work with a designer. You got to work with probably somebody in content, somebody on campaigns, digital product. So I think the first thing is be able to work with teams, work with other people. Well, have that sort of personality of being able to communicate well like for example if you want an outcome for something you need to be able to very clearly say hey okay this is what i'm expecting from this can you help me frame this out if that is not clear then you'll never get what you want you'll always be like it's a tomato tomato kind of conversation but nobody's ever got figured out what the right pronunciation is so it'll come down to that and i feel like spot on number one being able to clearly communicate to being able to collaborate of course i always love demand and marketers who are who think a little bit outside the framework of, of things who are able to challenge 
system. So even when I when I typically interview candidates as well, I ask them to do one creative campaign, something that would be completely different from what they've seen or how would they take the brand to the next level. And that just gives, I mean, I, I, I normally I tell them there's no budget limit. Like I, you have an unlimited spend. Let's see how how crazy must be nice. <laughs> and that's when normally what happens, Brett, is that's when you'll see like true creativity. Folks are like, hey, okay, I want to, and they'll come back with a budget and say, hey, I want to spend a million dollars, but I want to do all of these things. And then, you know, wow, okay, wow. It's like this, you've just really gone that whole extreme, but you've really thought through outside the whole realm of what, because normally what happens is marketers are generally put in a box saying, hey, you got to work only within this framework. What if I let you loose and let you say, hey, just go wild, let's see what you can do. And I feel like if if one typically can understand that, and I think very, very important in all of this, they have to be number driven, right? They have to, only then will they even earn a seat on the table, let's say with sales. They want to have a conversation in sales. I always tell my marketing folks, if you're having conversations with sales, don't go qualitative, go quantitative, like talk numbers, talk about meetings, book, talk about SQLs, MQLs, leads, all of that, talk numbers, sales only understand numbers. They want, they, they're, not, they're not really concerned about how creative your idea was or your campaign was that we can do in our discussions, but go there with numbers. So they got to be quantitative as well. I feel if they have these four or five skills, I think that's a good, strong leeway. I mean, good, strong indicator. And, and another thing I tell my folks as well is learn, learn by talking to other people as well. Constantly strive to get better because there's always something new happening in marketing every single day. There's like some new innovation, some new something else. I always say the best education from marketing is not just reading stuff that you find online. Talk to fellow marketers, talk to other people as well. You learn like a bunch. I've learned like a bucket load of things over the last year just by talking to fellow marketers, just casual conversations or like half an hour, 45 minutes or coffee, whatnot, whether it's in person or virtual. There's just so much of learning because everyone's gone through something that you have gone through in the past and they've come out of it successfully or they know how to navigate that. So I tell them that. So curious, curious, uh, anyone who's curious to learn, collaborative, has is able to sort of work well with numbers. I feel like three, four traits are good enough. And we're doing this now. I am learning from, we're sharing this with everyone, but I am learning from your experience and I couldn't agree more. I have leveled up so much by just taking the time to meet other marketers and have a 15, 20 minute chat. I learned a lot from you today and you've shared a lot, but I'd love to maybe close out with this. You've also given a ton of advice, but like we're in this era where I feel like more and more, regardless of your role, you're going to have to think like a demand gen marketer because just the era we are in B2B marketing. But when we think about investing in demand gen, it doesn't necessarily mean, okay, let's just pump a lot of money in advertising and hope for the best. It can be part of that, but it can also be some of the other things you've talked about on this. If you want to leave listeners that with like one thought or idea, just in terms of looking for ways to invest more in demand generation in 2023 and beyond and doing it in a right way that's going to connect with your future customer, how how would you kind of, what is that one nugget, golden nugget or piece of advice you'd share? I feel like the one thing all of us, we need to keep constantly revisit is really understanding who your buyer is. And if you really are able to, and honestly, Brett, that sometimes changes over time, the buyer, the buyer perspective, what's important to them today is very different from what was important when somebody created that document for you, maybe a year ago, right? I feel like demand gen marketers need to really, because if you get down to understanding, truly understanding your buyer, then everything else will fall in its place, whether it's your blog messaging, whether it's your research paper, your ad your webinar, you will know what they want. You will know how they want it. You will know what is important to them. And I feel like that's that's an exercise 
a demand gen marketer should constantly invest time, effort, and energy in. If required, and the best part is to go and speak to a product market. Or oh, there are hundred templates online to figure out how to build your ICP today, right? Like, and really going talk to customers. If you have the opportunity at whatever position you are, find a way if you can. It's not always possible in every company, but if you have the opportunity, talk to a bunch of customers at a current stage. Talk to them because I one of the first things I tried to do when I joined this company I was like, hey. I need to talk to a bunch of customers. Just give me access to customers. I really want to know why they buy the product or what's, what is it that, what were they dealing with? What are the choices they had to make? And eventually why they picked and chose the product. It gives you a lot of perspective because it's, it'll be very, normally it'll be very different from what you're positioning your company as doing. Because one of the questions I always ask customers is if you have to pitch outplay to somebody else, how would you call outplay? And that is a revelation most of the time, because you will, you wouldn't have imagined what they'll say. They'll say, Hey, this is a product that's good for this or is it like, oh i didn't even think of it like that and that gives you things so talk to customers and really get down to your icps i think that's the only advice i want to give folks no matter how much that document how much how much you think you know your customer they're the way they are has changed over time their expectations are different giving recession whatever is happening right now as well things have changed you need to know what's important to them today and figure that out everything else will fall in place this was, wasn't just one of my favorite demand gen conversations. This was one of my favorite conversations we've had in a while. Sandeep, you shared so much. Appreciate you being up late with us and dropping the knowledge. Uh, we will certainly have to have you back on to talk more marketing things, but until then, be well, man. Thanks, Brett. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. It was a ton of fun learning from Sandeep. He is someone who I have to have back on the program. We had a lot to talk about. Could have gone Broadway, but didn't. Trying to make things efficient over here. Excited for more Modern Day Marketer, more of these conversations to bring to you. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back. More Modern Day Marketer on the other side.